0: Music, athletics, arts, and entertainment. The Desert Tiger Podcast with Colton Geschwagner.
1: And that is me, your host and your MC Here every single week, every single Thursday. If you missed it, my name is Colton Geschwagner and this is the Desert Tiger Podcast. Whatever you're tuning in on, wherever you're tuning in from, and whoever you are... Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 23 of the DTP with my guests, White Chocolate Thunder. Now, right away, you probably did one of two things. You either thought to yourself, well, that's a little bit of a silly name, or you thought to yourself the exact opposite. That's kind of a badass name. Well, the boys of White Chocolate Thunder aren't really concerned with the former individuals who feel their name is a bit silly. They're more worried about impressing those individuals with their high-energy, antic-driven stage show, as well as their easy-to-dance and chant-along-to style of alternative rock and pop punk. What started out as a funky Red Hot Chili Peppers cover band out of high school between friends and band members, vocalist and guitarist Johnny Molyneux, guitarist Jordan Noah Tavares, and drummer Tanner Statham, eventually ended up finding its influence in bands from All Time Low and Five Seconds to Summer. After this, the band ended up making the natural progression to pop punk. Since then, the band has recorded and self-released their debut EP, Forget What You Know, with a little bit of trouble from a small-time record label, but you're going to hear about that as this episode continues. they found a brother in arms and bassist Dylan Shorn. They've toured Western Canada multiple times. They have created possibly one of the most DIY music videos that also may be the music video to feature the most pop figurines. Then, they decided to completely step up their writing process and their dedication to their craft with their latest single and accompanying music video, Wasteland. I recently sat down with Dylan and Johnny of White Chocolate Thunder to discuss all of these topics, as well as their plans to record some new material in the very near future. Their aspirations to break into the Canadian East Coast and the United States scenes. We talk a little bit about hockey, we talk about some video games, and me and Dylan find a little bit of a mutual love for Beast Wars or Beasties if you're a little bit of a 90s kid. So, sit back, relax, as we ride the tiger as you know before we start our episodes we like to play you guys a little bit of music and take care of a little bit of business so i gotta go ahead and tell you guys about our great sponsors that allow me to bring you the desert tiger podcast for free every single week 52 weeks of the year First off, you know I gotta go and tell you about Collar and Elbow, which is a wrestling inspired streetwear company that was started by Al Snow. If you guys go ahead and head over to Collar and Elbow's website, if you like something you see, if you like a shirt, if you like the sweatpants, if you like the towel, if you like one of the toques, if you want to maybe save yourself a little bit of money, you can get 10 extra percent off of your purchase by using the code DTP when you check out. I also need to take a moment and tell you guys about Audible. Audible is a audiobook app that was created by Amazon. They have a ton of different books, and if you go ahead and head on over to www.audible.com slash DTP, you can get yourself one free month of the Audible service and one free audiobook. Alright, so now that we've taken care of a little bit of business, let's go ahead and play you that song that saw White Chocolate Thunder step up their writing and their dedication a little bit. Let's go and play that newest single for you. This song is called Wasteland. We are here with two of the members of Calgary's White Chocolate Thunder. Do you guys want to introduce who you are and what you do in the band,
2: please? I'm Johnny, I'm the lead singer and I do rhythm guitar. I'm Dylan, Uh, I play bass and I sing backup vocals.
1: Awesome. So how did White Chocolate Thunder end up coming together and how did you guys get such a badass name? Oh man, okay.
3: Uh, The band formed out of high school with uh, our drummer Tanner and our lead guitarist Jordan. Okay. Uh, They pulled me into it probably a few weeks after they had started, and then we played for a couple years, and then Dylan joined the band afterwards, and we started to pick up a little bit more momentum. Momentum. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I joined like a year and a half ago. Uh, Yeah, getting there. Yeah.
3: And the name is a mystery. (laughs) It's one of those things where you say something cool, don't think much of it for two years, and then all of a sudden you're stuck with a name, (laughs) but you can't explain how you got.
1: That's fair enough. It's as everyone always seems to pick a name, because it's just like, we have a show, we'll change it later. It's like, well, it's stuck. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, later was... Later's not an option anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... How was the start of the band like? Did you guys start writing right away? Was <clears throat> it more so just covers? Like, how did you guys progress into the recording of your first EP? Um,
2: were you guys a Red Hot Chili Peppers cover band? In yeah, <laughs> we were. It start White really? Chocolate
3: started off as like a funk cover band.
2: I've seen the videos.
3: Yeah, and then <laughs> it, we wrote our own songs at the time that were very Red Hot Chili Peppers esque. Mm-hmm. Then we kind of. That kind of got phased out, and so we started writing the songs on our EP Forget What You Know, Yeah. and then we've been playing that for a couple of years, and now we're writing a little bit more, trying to transition again. When did you guys end up releasing that one? 2016.
1: Okay, so not too long ago. Yeah. Okay, and then you toured to support that, correct?
3: Yes. Once in May with Mostly Wanted, and then July with... On the front line.
1: Nice. How were those two tours for you guys?
3: For being our first tours, I think they went pretty well. Eye opening. Oh, think.
2: definitely eye opening. Always. We <laughs> thought we were so prepared at the beginning of the main <laughs> tour, and like the first two or three nights, we realized, like, wow. Man, tour, <laughs> tour, kind of tour
1: separates the men from the boys in the music industry. Probably it seems. Yeah.
2: Definitely.
1: Is it? Is it? Is a huge change from the local scene to actually. Being inside of a van, sleeping on floors, and inside of that van, and... Oh, yeah. You hear people people talk about that. I was pretty stoked. Those are the coziest floors ever. (laughs) As long as you can find cozy floors, it's all alright, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Nice. So, do you guys have any favorite tracks off of that EP? Anything that really stands out for
2: you, or... Hmm. On Forget What You Know, what's your favorite song? I think the track that the title came from, Take My Hand, has Mm -hmm. like a special place because we made that music video for (laughs) it with the pop vinyls, Mm -hmm. so we had this weird idea. Well, how'd that come about? It was a little bit influenced by that old Sum 41 music video, but then it kind of...
3: Yeah, it was just... I mean, we collect the pop vinyl figures, so yeah, it's just kind of like, what do we have lots of and what can we do? Mm -hmm. It was a variety... we yeah,
1: do. we can make our own just comic video using all these guys.-hmm So was, you, you guys just find pop video like figures that looked like yourselves or did you alter pop we
3: figures? Made some of our own. They come with little do-it-yourself kits. Really. So
1: we just made our
3: own little guys for us mm-hmm. and then used all of our other ones. like I've got a star Wars, on the Star Wars,
2: um, wrestlers, uh, Walking Dead. What else? buzzed woody. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's a lot easier to put little action figures into a video than actually
2: acting out your own video. We made these big True. scenes, mm-hmm. but the whole thing was contained within like John's parents' living room. <laughs> but it looks so big because mm-hmm. we were able to make like a big stage, but a big stage for these little pop panel figures is like as big as a couch.
1: Yeah, but it's like if you actually like scale it and like shoot it yes, properly exactly. it
2: actually like creates the illusion that it It was so much fun setting up a big set. I remember we had like these, the blankets draped and it like looking into it, it looked like a huge stadium, Mm -hmm. but it was just blankets draped and like held up by like duct tape and (laughs) I don't know what else we used. Hmm. It was so cool. Duct tape and like stands. Yeah. Hmm. And we, we put on like the black gloves and we had like the black Stage, so you can really see our hands. So when we move the figures, okay, I was gonna yeah. ask.
1: Cause I was like, so how did you guys end up like moving the figures without like
2: strings and like black mittens and gloves, so you can see our hands really?
1: Yeah. Okay, so just like really subtle movements behind yeah. everything, so that people are focusing exactly. on the pop
2: figure rather than your hand. You can pick it out if you look carefully enough, but you're not paying attention. Because mm-hmm. you're really really you're helpful.
1: looking at the face of the pop figure, right? Mm-hmm. So.
2: It made me think of that thing, like, I remember seeing people do it in high school in, like, drama class where you dress up in, like, a black suit, but then you have, like, certain, like, maybe your face has a mask on it. Just a, like, light and shadow play. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's pretty cool how you guys ended up coming up with that. So, let's talk a little bit about your guys' newest single. Wasteland. You guys, it sounds like you guys put a ton of work into it just based on like everything you guys were saying about it and everything. Like, thank you. What does that mean to you? Wasteland? That was kind of our first
3: adventure out writing some kind of something new. Like you hear the songs off, forget what you know. And then there's Wasteland. And I personally feel Wasteland is a step above. Mhm. It was the first song we wrote with Dylan. Okay. And, uh, Obviously, having Shane and Cody from mm-hmm. Bellevue helping out made a huge difference in the whole process, mm-hmm. just having a couple extra voices to help out. Yeah. And Cody's a wizard and made me sound good, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, but just hearing the response from everybody... Yeah. Like, it was pretty awesome to have it so well-received right off the bat. Forget what you know, kind of... It took a little while to gain some steam, mm-hmm. but I think going on the two tours gaining some a little bit of following and then dropping the Wasteland yeah. single it was just huge just so many people picked it up right away mm-hmm. felt pretty good
2: awesome it felt like a bit of a graduation from where we've been at yeah that's the to a I new level heard. and I think we've been talking about it since with what we're recording now we kind of we're always like pushing ourselves to get better and we expect a certain level of ourselves now in terms of our songwriting and our playing and Mm -hmm. And it's nice to kind of have that as a benchmark, Mm -hmm. knowing we can do that and we can do better. Yeah,
1: that you guys have raised the bar Mm -hmm. and you can actually meet and exceed it.
2: Mm -hmm. Exactly.
1: Okay, that's awesome. So you guys also worked with Cody and Shane for the video as well for that. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, how was the process for working for that and how are they as videographers to work with? That was the easiest day ever.
3: I mean, for me, it just, was, like, for everything that could have gone wrong or how... Because we haven't done a music video of just ourselves yet. Yeah. So we're, we were pretty inexperienced in that section of it. It but,
2: felt like a well-oiled machine
3: that day. Yeah, everything just went together pretty perfectly. Hmm. There was no, like, you know, there was no mess-ups, I guess. Yeah. All the setup went
2: well, getting everything in place, went really easily. I think we kept it all under budget, too. Like Oh, yeah. We budgeted for more, and I think we may have spent less than we ex- spent, uh, expected.
1: Hmm. Which is always a good feeling. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, and then Cody did a wicked job like actually filming everything. Mm-hmm. Shane was awesome, like behind the scenes getting stuff where it needed to be, and just overall helping out, making sure everything felt right. Mm-hmm. So the day was perfect and the end product is incredible
1: yeah no it flows very well and like the lighting and everything else like really helps the vibe of the song i feel mm-hmm. so it is it it's a definitely a good representation of you guys and the song
2: definitely yeah. i think so
1: awesome um so we kind of got a little bit away from the first ep who did you guys record that one with
3: I can tell you, we did it at Red Tree Studios. Okay. Um, I don't remember uh, the guy's name that we actually recorded it with. Huh. Was that it Chris whole. Chris or
2: Michaels. Or mm, I don't remember. I mean, Chris Michaels. <laughs> the whole that whole
3: process was a. That was a, that was a different process. At yeah. the time, we were quotations signed. Mm-hmm. To a label called Blackstream Records, and they wanted to help us produce this EP. So we paid uh, for the recording and everything, and yeah. they were just kind of there along the process to help us get it done. Mm-hmm. And I think we were we were like a year out of high school at that point. Okay. So somebody approaches you, and they're like, "Hey, we wanna we wanna sign you and do this with you." We were just like, "Yep, I'm in. Let's mm-hmm. go." <laughs> So we did all of it, and then they kind of, they unfortunately went under, so Mm -hmm. we had to get what they worked on back to us, and uh, we kind of sat on Forget What You Know for a while, probably a good year and a half before we decided we could actually release it.
1: Yeah. Had to build up the money to actually get it pressed and do the promotion. Yeah, and once
3: once we felt happy enough with it that Mm -hmm. we could put it out, it was like, it was almost a lot of
1: just sitting down with it and
3: learning to love it
1: mhm okay so getting back to the newer things what's what's coming up for White Chocolate Thunder is there some more recordings is there some more tours coming
2: up this year what's what's on the docket 2018 new year new us <laughs> uh I think how many weeks is it how many weeks are we out from going to the studio with Cody again four I think we're going in a month oh wow yeah Maybe three. Oh man, <laughs> we're not ready. <laughs> well, actually, I think we are. We, I know, I think we're good. We did some off the floor demos of Cody about a week ago. Yeah. Okay. And I think we kind of like—I don't know—I was blown away with what we what came we up were, with. Yeah, what we were sitting on, kind of, it felt very much like we had these ideas up in the air, and once we put them down on—not onto paper, onto recording. It was kind of like, wow, there's some real potential here, and it's exciting. Now we're, we're going in to record, is it five songs? Yep. Five songs of Cody, and then from there, I guess we're kind of taking it one thing at a time, so we're focusing on getting that done, and once we have that, then we're going to not sit on it for as long, definitely, but we're going to... Do what we
3: can to get it ready and make Mm -hmm. sure that when we do put it out, it explodes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so make sure that people know that it's on the horizon. Yeah,
2: exactly. We want to get it to more people. Yeah. So what we did with the first EP and then the second single, we felt like we reached more people with the Wasteland than we did with EP, and we want to reach even more people with this than we Mm -hmm. did with Wasteland. Well, hopefully
1: the traction you guys got from Wasteland will help propel that potential for the album or next ep to gain some ground Mm -hmm. yeah definitely
3: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah that's the hope and i mean
3: just kind of going back to what you're saying about how it's different from when putting it on paper Mm -hmm. into actually recording Mm -hmm. for the first time playing all these songs just in a room together we hadn't done that yet yeah we'd all sat like maybe three of us or two of us at a time and the songs got put together but actually for the first time playing them in a
2: room, and the product that we got out, I was stunned. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited for I just realized, thinking further out, I haven't been like in the mindset of thinking further out. I'm so in the mindset of like, what we're gonna do in studio still, mm-hmm. and, like writing and the production and the ideas. Because I, I keep telling the guys, like listening back to those live off the floor recordings, that I feel like they're, like every time I listen to them, I have like five or six ideas like mm-hmm. fly through my head. What could go there? What could go in the next bit? Or how this song could sound? So, I'm still very much in that mindset of writing I'm not Oh, absolutely. Past it.
1: Yep. Which is which is fair, right? You guys want to put the best effort possible forward on the next EP, especially mm-hmm. if you want it to reach more people than Wasteland.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Once we're done it, I think we have to like take off the artist hat and put on the. Business half, yeah, the, the marketing, yeah, the
1: the the non fun side. <laughs> exactly. Some people
2: find it fun. Some people like
1: it. I love business. I handled every aspect in the bands I was in.
2: <laughs> Working with Shane and Cody definitely helps us put on that business mindset.
1: Yeah, they're definitely geared towards that for sure. Like they've constantly thinking about how could they further the people that they're working with mm-hmm. as well as themselves and
2: but then also working in studio with them, the artistic side of things is really fun working with them as well. Yeah, they have ideas. They can wear both hats very well. Yeah. I struggle
3: with
1: one of those hats. <laughs> well it's, it's it's a hard transition to actually find out how to promote and reach out and actually get your work heard out there especially when there's so many other people that are trying to do the exact same thing yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so it's it is having somebody who has like a little bit more business experience or can think with that to like help guide you and teach you can definitely make that a lot easier of a transition for you oh for sure Mm Do you guys plan on shooting any music videos for that EP right away? Or is that going to be something that's
2: on a little bit of the back burner? And we
3: haven't even talked about that. I feel like we should.
2: There's definitely, like, potential, but... Pop Final round two? Because it's <laughs> cheap? <laughs> yeah. That's always the thing. It's kind of the unpleasant side of things is talking about budget. Yeah. And it's like... It's so unpleasant when you're, like, in that artistic mindset, talking about, like, can we afford to do a sixth song, or can we afford to do two music videos?
1: Mm -hmm. It's the stuff you want to do, but then you have to think a little bit more realistically, which is
3: a lot less fun. Mm
1: -hmm. It's it is, like, how much work do you want to put into it? Do you want to put a ton of time planning into it and make it, like, and try and figure out how to make it as cheaply as possible, or do you want to just get it out as quickly as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah exactly it is there's always a way to plan videos to try and make them budgetable but it's it is most people just seem to try and rush
2: into it and end up dishing out a little bit more than maybe they should sometimes but (laughs) we never want to like i know when we were talking about this current music video we had grand ideas but i think we realized that if we went for those we might get something like get a lot of ideas that are kind of all six or seven out of ten but instead we kind of like chopped it back to like one idea and did it ten out of Mm ten so that's definitely uh, that's you know the limitations of the budget yeah of course play into that but we never want to put out something that isn't ten out of ten so if we can't do it ten out of ten we figure out a way that we can yeah of course with our the means available Mm
1: mm-hmm Push forward and persevere. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. So, do you guys have any favorite road stories from the tour, or some favorite stories from shows, or anything? Mm.
3: Man, well, there's a few. There's Tanner getting a ticket. Oh yeah! First day
2: of tour. First day of tour. The <laughs> first hour. Of was driving, entering I day. Banff National Park. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, boy. Jordan losing his
2: keys. Oh, that was good. In first In the middle of a festival. Yeah, that was a... That was a <laughs> kill that first <laughs> night. Um, me on stage, when we were setting up at the festival, I'm setting up, and, like, when we're setting up, this tour was, like, a comedy of errors, and, like, setting up each night, stuff went wrong with my rig, stuff went wrong with, like... Just everything went wrong that possibly could almost every night oh yeah it was just me and you though yeah and this guy comes up to me when i'm on stage and i can barely hear what he's saying something like oh i heard about you guys yesterday i'm like i'm gonna stay and watch i was like yeah totally stay and watch Mm -hmm. and then after the show like cody comes up to me he's like did twista talk to you and i was like who's twista (laughs) he's like that guy over there twista he's like a huge rapper from the 90s -hmm. and i was like yeah he talked to me (laughs) Look and at just, it on Instagram
3: later. Oh, he's got millions of followers. Yeah, looking him up on Spotify. He, he was, was just sitting the there bobbing the yeah. his head. And like, when we were set. playing,
2: he and all his entourage were watching us. That was cool as heck. That's you right. can't know that now.
3: <laughs> I didn't know at the time. If
2: I had known at the time, I might have been a bit shyer. <laughs> <laughs> like I would yeah, on yeah, yeah, a sure better show. You totally watch us. Yeah, <laughs> stick around. Totally. <laughs> Can I get you free stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Do you need a water bottle anything? <laughs> What else? Um. Washing the dirt off. At the festival we were at, we were parked in this area that it was like all the grass had kind of been driven over so much that there was mostly dirt and dust. Mm -hmm. And it was like hot and humid, dusty and windy. So everything we had and everything that was on us and ourselves, we were like covered in sweat and dust for two or three days. And then right before we played, uh, John Jordan and I, and the singer of On the Frontline, all went down to the river, and we like, washed off all the dirt, and we just felt like, rejuvenated. It was so nice. (laughs) Two inches of dirt gone. And it was like, freezing cold water, but it was so nice. You know what, I have my favorite tour story.
3: Showing up in Vancouver, like a day early, it was just Um... you, me, and Jordan. We had nothing to do. Went and hung out to Granville Island. Me and Jordan started planning a little prank. We were going to dunk Dylan in the water. Mm-hmm. We just gone kayaking. Yeah, we just got back from kayaking, and it didn't work. I ended up in the water. This, like, disgusting gasoline it was gross. poop dock water. It was gross. As soon as I was in there, I felt
2: bad for wanting to push you in. And then Jordan felt bad, because he ended up, so Jordan jumped in. And then I felt bad, so I jumped in. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. Or Frisbee. Anytime we played oh, Frisbee yeah. it was good. Frisbee was good. We had Frisbees on tour. We were on the front line. And any second mm-hmm. that we had when we were kind of like downtime, everyone would bust out of Frisbee and we'd all get into a big circle in parking lots and fields and anywhere we could play Frisbee, we played Frisbee.
1: So it was good to have something to just take up the time and like break away from mm-hmm. the actual like hustle and bustle of being on the road. Yeah. Definitely. It is. It's awesome that it's just something as simple as a frisbee can just like take away that half hour
2: and it's just the most fun thing when you've been cooped up in a car for like three or four hours driving. Mm-hmm. Just stretch your legs and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially in some of the drives
1: in Canada where it's even longer than that and oh, oh the oh, delays. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah, first tour in May. Uh, our first show in Vancouver Getting out all the way to Vancouver We were heading out that way And we played a show in Revelstoke the night before yes. So yes. we stayed in Revelstoke And then we wake up At like 7 or 8 And like an hour and a half before that 6am A semi had like blown up on the highway uh-huh. And it was like What should have been a 4 hour drive Became like a 12 hour drive oh. And we were like we got to the venue in Vancouver and we were like running on stage and like the guy from One was like get me a guitar he's on stage and the guy's like "Okay, you guys are ready to go he's like oh I'm a guitar (laughs) because we had all the gear yeah we were pulling the gear yeah that was rough (laughs) but it ended up being a good show (laughs) short sets but they played well and we played well
1: that's good as long as you guys were still able to get out there and kill it then Mm -hmm. that's what matters definitely as long as you guys are willing to adapt to the situation. Because it's something that I've learned in touring myself. Is like, don't expect anything to ever go as planned. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> it's Murphy's law out there. It's, yeah. it's the same with touring, like, for refing wrestling. Is like, anything that can go wrong is probably going to go oh. wrong. <laughs> it will. It will. Not
2: even probably. It will.
1: What <laughs> I it is, is, like, we stopped in Hinton, uh, Alberta. Like, just like, for a little bit for lunch, and then, like, we got to Jasper, turned off the school bus. Starter died right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right at the gates of Jasper. <laughs> it was like, nobody can pay for their tickets because our bus is stuck in the line. We're waiting for a tow truck. Oh,
2: no. i <laughs> surprised Jordan's car didn't give out at some point. We pushed that thing hard. It, uh,
3: it made it. <laughs>
2: That's
1: good, I mean as long as it makes it it's there's a lot of problems out there especially when you're hitting the road where it's like you just
2: don't know what can go wrong like driving your like personal vehicle oh man Mm -hmm. like even driving my car from like here to lethbridge there's been shows where it's like i don't know if it's gonna make it (laughs) let's see and then he does a burnout in the parking lot oh yeah (laughs) Well, it made it, so (laughs) let's just show everybody that it made it, and (laughs) hope that it gets home afterwards. (laughs) And then driving back from Lethbridge, Shane and I, we all kind of, like, we had some shows in Alberta, where we had chances to, like, stay in our own beds in Calgary, so we almost always took those opportunities to, like, be at home while on tour, and, like, I remember one night, it was just Shane and I, Mm -hmm. and we were driving back from Lethbridge after a good show, um... Cody's band. Cody's old band actually played their last show that night. It was really good. Uh, Which band was that? Open 24-7. Okay. I was super excited because I've been a fan of them Mm -hmm. since like before I even knew the guys in White Chocolate. Okay. I remember being 17 in high school and seeing Cody play at the New Black, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: which is really cool. That was like five years ago now. That's old. But Shane and I were driving back, and I almost took us to BC. Mm -hmm. I went the wrong (laughs) way. I took a wrong turn. It was dark, and Shane and I were in like... We were having a deep conversation. It was fun. Just taking a road trip. No yeah. big deal. <laughs> We've been home by now. At one point, I think Shane was like, Are we going the right way? <laughs> I don't know, man.
1: I've had that happen to me too, so I can understand that. It's dark. You're on
2: the highway. You miss one sign.
1: Oh, yeah, I know it is. Like, we were heading back from Saskatoon one night, and I was like, well, let's just take, like, we'll just jump on this dirt road for a little bit because Buddy thought it was a shortcut. And then it was like, three hours later, we're in the middle of nowhere still. And it's just like, we're having a great conversation, listening to music. And it was like. And you, like,
2: open your maps, like Google Maps, and it's like, why am I way over there? Like, well, I guess we still have
1: another three hours to listen to music and talk, so kick ass.
2: (laughs) Guess keep on going. Lots of good tunes in the car.
1: The Desert Tiger Podcast. Don't worry, don't fret. Don't go anywhere else yet. We still have a lot of our interview with Johnny and Dylan from White Chocolate Thunder. We just got to take care of a little bit of business and play you guys a little bit more music before we can get back into that. So first off, you guys know I'm going to tell you about Collar and Elbow. What's Collar and Elbow, you may ask? Collar and Elbow is a wrestling-inspired streetwear company that was started by former WWE superstar and trainer, former TNA wrestler and trainer, someone who has trained and wrestled all around the globe. I speak, of course, of Mr. Al Snow. Al Snow wanted to create Collar and Elbow to not only allow fans of wrestling to show off their fandom, their love of wrestling, but to also pay homage to... The roots of what wrestling is. They have a ton of great items over at the Collar and Elbow web store. And if you go on over there, you're going to see some toques that are kick-ass for $20. Some sexy army ladies tees for $20. They have a killer basic shirt for just over $15. And they have a sick grid-looking setup shirt for $20. Also, all of their signature series items are currently on sale. I'm going to tell you guys how to save a little bit of money on your order from Collar and Elbow. If you decide you like something from the Collar and Elbow web store, say you want to pick up a toque, say you want to pick up that Army Ladies Tee, when you're checking out, if you use the code DTP, that is the code DTP, you're going to go ahead and save yourself 10% Off of your order at the Collar and Elbow web store. So why not go ahead and save yourself a little bit of money and cop yourself some fresh new gear. Alright, so we're going to play you guys a track off of White Chocolate Thunder's debut EP, Forget What You Know. This is the first song off of that EP and it is entitled, This Is The End.
0: Can you take me home, show me the way to your heart? We're burning faster and faster, now we're losing a spark. Hurting's gone, see each in every passing day, broken those times are gone, you know that it's hopeless to think Things will be better if you're in a hole a When you said it gave my life
1: guitars and pounding drums to get the blood flowing and get things moving a little bit, just in time for our Audible Audiobook of the Week. And this week, our Audible Audiobook of the Week is Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela. Long Walk to Freedom is an autobiography that Mandela wrote back in 1995, and it chronicles Mandela's life. First is the son of a tribal chief. Then as an educated black man under apartheid, a dangerous thing to be. And then his journey both outward and inward, from attorney to the leader of a revolution. You'll hear about his time on Rikers Island, the notorious prison, and the various experiences he had in the courtroom and in captivity. You'll hear about his decision whether or not he should decide to be broken out, to flee before going to prison, or whether to actually go to prison. You're also going to hear, as he tells you, about the cunning ways that those who were jailed for political reasons created to communicate and, even to an extent, continue to lead from inside of prison. He also shares lots of other stories about the kind people who helped him along the way and various other things. If you're interested in this great audiobook, Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela, I'm going to tell you how to get a free trial of Audible as well as a free audiobook. If you go to www.audible.com DTP, you can go ahead and get yourself one free month of Audible as well as one free audiobook to get you started. And you can use that one free audiobook on something like Long Walk to Freedom, or you can get whatever it is you want or you enjoy, whether it's science fiction, whether it's westerns, whether it's nonfiction, whether it's fantasy, whatever you're into, Audible has it. All right, so let's get back into our interview with Johnny and Dylan from White Chocolate Thunder. The Desert Tiger Podcast.
2: Lots of good music.
1: You gotta have good music when you're on the road. Mm-hmm. What are some of your soundtracks <clears throat> for when you guys are on touring, or what's in your current playlist right
2: now? Well, current playlist right now is totally different than tour. Like, tour for me was 1 OK Rock. Yep. And uh, I'm blanking. One okay we listened to so much
3: one ok rock yeah, i don't just even know forth to. on that
2: one album uh
3: we couldn't listen to linkin park cuz it was too depressing yeah that was first day of tour uh, and no, we're all
2: in the road that was it was um first day of second tour yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so we were was, listening to linkin park that morning
3: that was so it was such just a weird set of circumstances yeah. we've been jamming out to linkin park already mm-hmm. then i busted out my phone i'm like uh, news. guys Something bad happened. Ouch. So that just put a damper on the whole
2: day. That was not fun. Not <clears throat> um, what else were we listening to? We listened to a fair bit of Hawking after we saw them. Yeah, that was really cool. Mm-hmm.
3: Hawking, 1K okay Rock. And then it was just like anything and everything. 1D. Yeah, One Direction, <laughs> Justin Bieber. We were listening to like soundtracks from Disney movies, mm-hmm. like Goofy Movie. I insist That's on putting movie. on Hercules. some Mulan and Hercules songs every yeah. once in a while.
1: <laughs> Hercules is also a fantastic movie.
3: <laughs> the current playlist, like, what are you listening to? I'm crushing Paris right now. Hmm. I've just been listening to that on repeat for the I past two weeks. I cannot blame you for
1: that.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's been great. I <laughs> we'll, we'll love that group. <laughs> I've been listening to my Lord and T-Swift what? Oh. Those are good? Okay. And then Muse, mm-hmm. getting back into them. I wish I had seen Paris open up for 36 Mars, open up for Muse. That would have been amazing. Yeah, that is a stacked lineup. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that would have been amazing to see. So how did you guys end up like getting into music? Was it your parents? Was it just something that you wanted to do when you were younger? Like, what... What started the passion? Mine was my parents, for sure. My
3: mom's been a music teacher forever. Oh, okay. okay. So she was <clears throat> always singing around the house, always playing piano. And my dad was always playing a guitar or something. Mm-hmm. So right around grade six, I was like, yeah, I'll give, her, give it a whirl. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Learned a couple Green Day songs. Hmm. Joined my first band in junior high. Yeesh. <coughs> but yeah, that's uh, pretty much how it started. doing it for a while now. Okay. I think
2: I'm maybe starting to get good. <laughs> <laughs> I think on the same. I think probably my dad. And then maybe my older brother too. Him and I, you know, learned at the same time. And then just like being around people in like junior high and high school I was kind of like gravitated towards hanging out with people who played music yeah and then yeah it pretty much yeah you know, just kind of influences from friends and family hmm. Hmm. yeah nice
1: so who were some of your guys' high school idols influences like who helped you get through the hard times like
2: mm. hmm it would mostly be musicians for me, like, idol, like idolizing musicians. Like I was always a big Paramore fan in high school, still am. Mm-hmm. Like Rise Against, really loved listening to yeah. that. And I still find listening to Rise Against can like, if you're feeling kind of down, I start listening to them. Yeah, I put really the
1: Suffer and the Witness on for the first time in years the other day, and it was just like, it just you. Oh, you know, it's still
2: it. He like controls your emotions, and like mm-hmm. by the end, you're feeling good. Like it gets that frustration and that mm-hmm. feeling down. Like,
1: it, it hits you with a ton of energy off the bad, and then near the end, there's like a few softer songs, and there's still like that little bit of rebellious side to get you
2: going. Right, it feels at like the a end. release, you know. Yes, that Definitely. hearing him scream and stuff. Who are you? High
3: school was weird. you were talking metal. Yeah, I was super into metal and, like, Disturbed, Avenged Sevenfold. I guess that's, like, the lighter side of metal, but...
1: But either way, (laughs) it's still metal. Yeah,
3: metal, hard rock. Yeah. Super into that, and, like, Avenged Sevenfold was kind of the first, like, in high school being in a band, that's kind of where we started. We centered around that. So, I hadn't fully gone through puberty yet, but I was singing M. Shadow's... (laughs) (laughs) Not high <laughs> <parts>. <laughs> not even I was in between I had no range hmm, hmm. but that uh, listening to that music and getting in a band that liked that music just in high school that kinda that was high school for
1: me okay I can understand that <clears throat> so I was I still am very big on metal but I was too like Avenged was one of my huge bands in high school so I can understand that for sure yeah it's so like as soon as uh, City of Evil dropped, and it was like I had listened to Chapter 4, but like that just that evolution in their sound was oh. just mind blowing.
3: That was huge. Mm-hmm.
0: And
1: then they put out
3: the self titled album, which I still think's my favorite album. Oops.
1: Tons uh, of great tracks. Yeah. Tons of great tracks. It's also that, a very solid album. Was that
2: before or after the drummer died? That was before, That was before. before seems like most Avenged fans talk about the before. Well, but After still good, too.
1: Oh, After is still really good. Like, Nightmare and God Hates Us. and. Oh, yeah. Like, that album that came out after that was just so full of emotion that, like, some people didn't like it because it was playing a lot of, like, reference to The Rev. But, I mean, how couldn't they?
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't uh I think it'd be tough. Even if you like left the band
2: on good terms, I would have like a rough time trying to write. I mean, I guess these guys and you know, like artists write about your you inherently write about your life, whether you mm-hmm. like it or not, you know, influences mm-hmm. and what emotional state you're in. So it kind of like it's gonna get into what you're writing about, what you're going through. And that's Part of what, you know, like, genuine songs... You can tell when a song's genuine like that mm-hmm. when you're listening to it. It's true. It, it really is true. Like, it comes straight
1: from the heart, and mm-hmm. you can sense that. You
3: got it? Oh. Oh, I was just going to say, which is why this new EP is going to be great, because we're all stoked on it.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been telling John, like, whenever we're working on something, I, I feel like I'm always, like, going back to, like, This sounds way more, I was gonna say believable there. Mm -hmm. I think it's that. I think it's like when we play stuff off Forget What You Know, we're a bit kind of like past it almost. Mm -hmm. It's not that we don't like (coughs) it, it's that we want to do something fresh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Forget What You Know is a lot more of, like the
3: songs, they could have meaning. You could find something in there, I'm sure. Yeah. But it was mostly written just like... It was very... That was our introduction to songwriting, so mm-hmm. we just kind of wrote what sounded cool in some parts, and like, some parts would be a little more clever than others. Mm-hmm. But I think now we're focusing a lot on writing almost a story, but... Narrative. There's yeah, a narrative, a narrative that...
2: The songs.
3: It's not out of nowhere. It's like mixed... Like I pull from... When I'm writing, I pull from stuff that like Jordan was doing that day, or Dylan said this one time, and I thought it was really cool, so I wrote about it, kind mm-hmm. of stuff like that. We've really worked more into a just a
1: personal sort of writing okay, so a lot more from the heart, a lot more based on your lives and experiences and
3: yeah, we're listening to it now you'll find a meaning and you'll get a piece of
1: us in it mm-hmm at that point in time right because yeah. that's what an album is is it's it's like a picture of that period and time of your life yeah and absolutely. then like it, you evolve and change as a person and you can like see the progression of artists as they grow as human beings through their music mm-hmm. goes for
2: any artist really <coughs> yeah that's true <coughs> like I'm looking at, i was studying some art history last semester at school and you can definitely see how artists there's a snapshot of their life mm-hmm. in their art. See, it's it. Is it's like
1: most people like their first album is like a sh- snapshot of their entire lives, and that's up like, until that point. Up until that yeah. point, and that's why a lot of artists have troubles with their second album. Usually, is because they've already used all this inspiration, and then they only have like a couple years yeah. to try and fill.
2: You have like close to twenty years mm-hmm. back catalog, and then after that, it's like kind of there's a time crunch of like two-ish years yeah exactly cool. never thought of it like that before mm-hmm. that's cool I, think I heard josh ramsey say that in the interview yeah i know
1: and then it's usually the third album where they start to actually like see like okay now these are the experiences i'm going through and like i can transcribe it a little
2: bit better you can tell artists that kind of have the craft down of songwriting yeah when it's like you can get those ideas out in a concise manner i think that's something we've really learned too i think you were saying with like forget what you know maybe the craft wasn't very honed and now it's more the skills to get those ideas out mm-hmm. are much more there okay
1: nice you guys uh, mentioned that you have listened to quite a bit of pop music and you guys do quite a bit of pretty fun covers Do you guys have any favorite song to cover, and is there anything on the docket that you guys are working on? Mm -hmm. Favorite
3: song to cover?
2: Um, Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I was going to say,
3: Shape of You was really fun to
2: play on both of our tours. You guys do that one very well. (laughs) Thank you. What a a good song. I I saw an interview of him talking about how they wrote it. So good. Mm-hmm. and I think that's like why it's so fun to play it's so well written mm-hmm. yeah and then we made our own yeah like we wanted to do justice to the idea of the song but still do something different with it
1: well it's it. it's like you can't just carve and copy it right or mm-hmm. else how does it make it any different than going and seeing Ed Sheeran why not just listen to the original track exactly
3: yeah don't say Ed Sheeran I mean <clears throat> we've been playing all time low covers forever mhm oh but learning. that's that's just fun because it's already in our sound it's already yeah. there like we pull so much influence from them already so mm-hmm. just playing their songs it's it's almost like if we need a song at the end of the night we're like alright just pick an All time little song yeah. hmm. we'll have one more
2: learning the cover set we did a cover show with a couple friends or a few bands that were friends with in the city we did this cover set where it was like back to your roots, and like mm-hmm. every band picked a band that influenced them so there was a Green Day cover band and there was a us doing all time low and plank one eighty two, two was in there. So like learning all the covers for that set, we had mm-hmm. to learn like four or five songs in like a week, and we just haven't done that in a long time. No, like learning was, a bunch of covers all at once. No, that was actually a good challenge. Fun. Awesome. Was that like a rocking for dollars thing or no? It was. Um, Ooh, was that the rec room? The rec room. Um, we did rock for dollars once. That was yeah. fun. <laughs> that was a good show. It's usually a good time. BJ is a great guy. Oh, so, yeah. and someone won like four hundred bucks that night. It wasn't us, but the person who spun the wheel after me, mm-hmm. she won like four hundred bucks, and I was like, oh, I wish that was oh. you blew it. <laughs> I just yeah, spin it hard we were on tour when we played
1: it because it was like the only day that we could make lineup in Calgary. It was like, well, we can't guarantee you anything. You just got to spin the board and you got some food.
2: It's a good show, though. We
1: luckily got the $200. It was the best payout we got for a show on the tours. Last
2: money.
3: (laughs) Yes, we are eating well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I will get two sides of
1: fries. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. What are some of your guys' interests outside of the music scene? Uh,
3: Well, me, Jordan, and Tanner are all on the same hockey team. Okay. I keep trying to get Dylan to learn Come on I play basketball
1: Nice um. Not so good on the skates Nah Then <laughs> I don't play <laughs>
2: Outside of music Video games Yeah I'm
3: Avidly
1: into Legend of Zelda I oh, am yeah.
0: nice If I'm
1: If I'm not reachable it's cause I'm playing that a great game with amazing stories like all of them are so
3: yeah pick a new one every day or mm-hmm. actually just sit down and play them completely through mm. I will be gone
2: I just get mm. so into it nice I'm getting back into Age of Empires I totally got it working on my girlfriend's MacBook so I'm playing A2 nice. a bit it's hard I'm not very good at it
1: <laughs> it all takes time right like a got age of mythology rocking on my computer I never right got now into it, but
2: i wish i got into it that, that one was really good
1: yeah it's it is like actually like having to choose everything like mm-hmm. your god and what they do is like that was a good,
2: cool game and i, I still play it <laughs> i played that at a friend's house years ago but i never got into it like i did <laughs> age of Empires. it's understandable both
1: are just amazing though so oh yeah nice
2: so much thinking though <laughs> Oh yeah, Transformers—that's also my thing. I've always been into Transformers, but less so now. I was like on a big Transformers kick like a year ago. Mhm. Oh man, I gotta get you more figures <laughs> so you can just start mixing and matching. <laughs> well, yeah. how how did you enjoy the uh, last two movies? I don't I don't watch the new ones. I've never I've seen like one or two of them. I just stopped. Okay. I was never into those the newer movies. With, yeah. What's his name directing? Michael Bay. Yeah. They're good-ish. I just, yeah. It's a lot of explosions, and... I was never into the original cartoon, <laughs> because I was a bit too young for it. Like, it came out in the late 80s or something. Yeah. With the original Transformers. I was into the Transformers in the 90s that came out, the Beast Wars. Oh! Because that's what was on TV when yeah, I was like, young. See,
1: that's what I got into, too. I saw a few was... of the
2: reruns of the old one, but then they made the new movies based on the older ones, and I didn't really hmm. know the characters very well, so...
1: It's it. It's like I've seen the old like Transformers movies and stuff, and yeah. like they were really good. But it was like I remember Beast Wars and Beasties. And that
2: was the like TV show that was current, and like it was on like I think it was on whatever YTV. Cur- YTV. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's what I was into. I used to watch so much of that show, and I had like all the figures back when I was a kid. So okay. I understand that. I got. I gotta
2: show you. I got. I got. A good one. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: Good, I'm excited then.
2: We were at uh Comic Con and I found an old one that I had when I was little that broke and mm-hmm. I found it in the package and I was like I've gotta get this. It was Tigertron.
3: Oh, oh, oh. I was yeah. like, here's sixty dollars.
2: I i don't remember I think I paid thirty for him. Oh which wow. Which is pretty good. That is pretty good. I was lucky. Yeah. But I always wanted him because I yeah. I had him when I was little. Mm-hmm. You know when you have a toy when you're little? And I still like, have my keys you lose it in a move or it breaks or something mm-hmm. and then getting it back that's that's a good thing so yeah it's it is like i Use was forced to give up
1: all my beast wars like uh, during a move and it was like no yeah.
2: <laughs> you gotta get
1: them back in your adulthood it feels like you're a kid again mm-hmm. this is i remember having like rat trap and yeah all those guys it was fantastic
2: my but girlfriend has a few transforms and we were looking at them I was like, these are good. These are really good. <laughs> I can I have this. these, please? Yeah. <laughs> now I want to go home and watch Beast Boy. <laughs> first season. First season's really good. Honestly, we got. To, I was watching the second season with my girlfriend, and we were both watching, and we're like, this isn't as good as first season. <sighs> I don't know.
1: I can understand that. I, I think I remember that being the case, too, where I was like, they kind of just tried to change too much, and then the story kind of got... Yeah, I think the writers might have changed. It felt different. Yeah, it really did feel different. <laughs> So, I guess we have, before I ask one more question of you guys, where can people find you and your music? Spotify,
3: Apple Music, iTunes, Google Play, I'm pretty sure Amazon.
2: And we're on Facebook, Instagram. Facebook, Instagram. We've got a website. Website. We don't have Twitter, because... We do have Twitter, we just don't. We're so bad at it. Not as active as we like. Hmm. Our handle and everything is we are wct. Okay. W e a r e. WCT. YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> well YouTube's <laughs> probably the one we wanna push, push. me towards. Yeah. YouTube.com slash we WCT. Okay. Awesome. So this one's a little
1: bit more personal, I guess, but what is the stupidest rumor you have ever heard about yourself?
3: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um I've had diseases.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's your status rumor, Jeff. <laughs> um I don't think there's ever been any rumors about me. I mean there probably has, but I just don't know them. Hmm. Fair enough.
3: Mm. I don't know, I think I'm generally an asshole. <laughs> so I think that's that's what I get. <laughs>
2: It's understandable. <laughs> it's if you fit the role, then it's, it's not, not much of them. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> Thanks, still Definitely falls under the rumor category.
1: Okay, well, that's good to know. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today that's, and that's taking time out that's of your that. day to you. give me the interview. All right, I want to give a big Desert Tiger podcast. Thank you to Johnny and Dylan. From White Chocolate Thunder for sitting down with me, sharing some stories about the band, their travels, what their plans for the future are, and a little bit about both of the guys personally. I had a great time sitting down and chatting with the WCT boys, and I hope you guys enjoyed this interview just as much as I did. I also need to go ahead and thank you guys, the listeners of the Desert Tiger Podcast. We recently surpassed 5,000 plays, We have a solid three-digit listener average, so you guys are killing it out there. Like, I love you guys so much. We are growing exponentially every single week, and part of it is thanks to you guys for getting out there and sharing the word about the podcast, sharing it on your social media, even just hitting that play button. It helps us out so much. If you want to help out the show a little bit more, you can go ahead and tell somebody about the show. Share it. Or you can go ahead and support one of our great sponsors that I listened earlier in the show. As you know, we like to end off every single show with a little bit of a quote. So I'm going to end things off with a quote from Nelson Mandela, seeing as how we used his autobiography for the Audible Audiobook of the Week. So this is our quote to end things off from Nelson Mandela. The greatest glory in living lies not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall.
0: The Desert Tiger Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. iTunes, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thanks for listening.